This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm Aaron Sagers, and this is Talking Strange. Aloha, spooky nerds, and welcome to Talking Strange, a paranormal pop culture show with the Dent of Geek Network. As always, I am your host, Aaron Sagers, a journalist, author, researcher of all things weird, and currently I can be seen on the Travel Channel and Discovery Plus show, Paranormal Caught on Camera, now in its fifth season. New episodes dropping on Thursdays. And, well, this gentleman that I'm going to be bringing in today is a guy that I've known for, it seems like, forever, really, uh, well over 10 years. And he is a former police officer, and he is a paranormal investigator and a public speaker and educator about paranormal phenomena. He's been doing that for more than 18 years. He helped pave the way, and I do not say this lightly, it is accurate. He helped pave the way for a worldwide paranormal explosion in as a main cast member of the hit television series ghost hunters and then later on ghost nation and then ghost hunters again he has investigated more than 1000 reportedly haunted locations and along with his multiple appearances on a variety of talk shows and paranormal series this guy is also an executive producer and a director, and he executive executive produced and directed the feature length documentary "The House in Between." Now, that was about a woman named Alice Jackson who lived in a home that so terrified her that she had to move out during the day. It was okay, but at night it was a different story. And there is more to that story. We now have the sequel, "The House in Between." which is currently streaming on Amazon Prime Video, on Vimeo, on iTunes, YouTube, Vudu, and more. And this gentleman and his team returns to the house to further explore the phenomena. And without further ado, let me bring in Steve Gunsolves. How was that, Steve? Was that? <laughs> hey, man. Wow, that was quite an introduction. Thank you. Was that correct? Gonsolves. Yeah, and you said my uh, last name right. Thank you. We were joking a little bit backstage for everybody joining us that for uh, even though I've known him for so long, I still hear amongst people that uh, we we all know collectively how uh, there's so many pronunciations of your last name. It's true. Depending on how you know, big of the group of people I'm, I'm hanging out with, I could hear my name like four or five different ways in the same night. Uh, but who cares? You know, the, uh, it doesn't matter to me. But thank you for taking the time to uh, get it right. But uh, it doesn't bother me. Uh, I'm used to it. Uh, yeah, only a decade later. Thank you. Uh, the, the thing is, is that, Steve, everybody, I think 
I think anybody that's interacted with you knows this, and I think even it comes across on on television that you were obviously a very soft spoken person, but it, like painfully polite. You are incredibly polite, so polite that you will not correct people when they mispronounce your name for years. No, I mean, especially if they're talking to me, I, I know who they're talking about. <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> <laughs> I know what they mean, you know, but uh, I, I get it. Uh, uh, thank you. It's cool. And, and you know, you said it, it has been over 10 years. And I remember, uh, you know, we had uh, bumped into each other, obviously, and, and had some conversations mm -hmm. here and there. But uh, there was one time we we had talked a little bit about a few different horror movies and we said you know we're going to get a, a moment to actually sit down and i remember we were at a convention together i don't remember which one it was uh and we were at uh, of course one of the, the bars i think at an after party and uh, we were both sort of getting torn in, in different directions mm -hmm. by different people that sort of thing but i remember we looked at each other and said you know what L let's drown all this out and, and actually sit down and I remember you and I sat in the booth for, I want to say, a good two hours maybe and yeah. just talked about horror movies and, and you know, bought each other drinks and, and just had a, a great time. But uh, what a way to kick off 10 years, you know, yeah. uh, through horror movies and, and uh, you know, good conversation. That, that's cool. It's it's also it's a bit of a ridiculous element of this job that, you know, I I before I before I started doing my own TV stuff. And, but you know, I started out as a journalist, print journalist, and then on camera stuff. And, and throughout this job, I, I still very much view myself as, you know, like I'm, you know, I'm just doing the job. And I think you, you're like that as well, but we have had these ridiculous moments of meeting icons. And, and that's not a word that I'm using. I'm exaggerating. It's icons throughout this and it's it's surreal it's like why am i even in the same room with some of these people it's true you're like me where you, you start to get imposter syndrome and you're like why does this guy want to talk to me you know yeah <laughs> should be uh, out back or something you know uh, <laughs> but yeah you, you get that uh, um but it, it's always awesome you walk away from those moments going like wow i never thought i'd have that conversation with that person it's always eye-opening and those are the moments where it makes you go whoo you know i'm a, a pretty lucky dude yeah <laughs> we get to do some awesome stuff very very lucky yeah and and if we have time at the end we'll we'll circle back to some of those geek out moments with some of those icons but right now i want to talk about the house in between two and yeah let's backtrack a little bit just to kind of refresh refresh everyone's memory how did you first learn of this location and remind people how long you've been working on this project and this extended investigation? You know, um, it, it's been a while, you know, at this point. Uh, it's been, uh, I want to say, I first met Alice and the gang over there in maybe 2000 and uh and 18 maybe the year uh, i could be off i'm sorry um but uh, they had reached out a few different ways just saying hey we really would love you to come to the house and uh, as you know you know being in uh, the television world and and that sort of thing you're not easily coerced than just mm. going across the country to, to hang out with strangers you know it could be a, a quite a a pickle to get yourself into. 
Um, but after what I was hearing, what was going on there and, and really uh, talking to, uh, you know, Alice eventually and, and, you know, I got to a point where I realized, like, I didn't know what was happening at the house, but I got to a point where I said, well, whether or not I believe what's happening or I know or don't know, uh, she firmly believes and is, is terrified. So uh, the fact that already not being at the house and, and knowing much about it, seeing how, you know, devastated she was that she couldn't live there and it had been 10 years at, the, at this point that she had you know, slept a night in the house, uh, that part, you know, seeing it in, in her eyes is, is what sort of, you know, uh, led me to, to go there and, and really spend some time there and, uh, you know, hearing it in her voice and, and talking to the team. Uh, it was cool to, to get there and, and finally get to meet them. But that was quite a few years ago and didn't go there with the intention of making a, a documentary. You know, that just sort of, came after you know after I, I went there and spent some time with uh, Alice Brad and John uh, then I got to see how sort of that town was treating her and how you know she was a, a, a you know a psychiatric nurse and, and knew you know that she was dealing with things that she couldn't understand but smart enough to know that everyone else in the town that thinks she's you know they're the fools <laughs> you know she walked around with her head high while people were sort of whispering behind her back and I would see that you know I was there and that was intriguing to me and the fact that the house was locked down for 10 years as a, an investigation continuously by John and Brad and, and these people who really loved Alice in, in the house there uh, I thought that was awesome and I hadn't heard of that before and, and then one other piece that led me to think that there was a, a pretty awesome story to tell there besides, because to me, I, I, you know, paranormal stuff is, is awesome. But if you just make a documentary about a paranormal haunting at a place, come see this haunted house. That's a one hour television show. That's not necessarily a documentary to me. I, I saw that there was story there, you know, and one of the things that was cool is that over 10 years, they had felt that the house had been learning quite a bit. Like they've seen the progression of things that it used to do to what it is doing now and how they've been able to influence that. And I thought that was really cool. But all those things combined, I was like, you know what? Uh, my work here isn't done. So I kept uh, rolling with it. But that just backtracking is how I met them and sort of got involved with them over there. You you just said it and, and you reference it in the documentary about the house learning and it's referenced within the documentary that this house almost is is alive. You refer to it almost like a an organism in of itself. This is compared to a location that you would say, well, we believe it to be haunted or we, we theorize that it might be haunted or there might be a ghost here. Explain that a little bit. As, talk about what you mean when you say the house is learning and talk about the theory as to why this can be bigger than a simple, simple ghost in a location. Sure. You know, personally, and this is just my personal opinion and just what I come away from with that investigation, I personally wouldn't say it's that the house in of itself is alive. I think everybody would know that that's an impossibility, you know, that's an, uh, but 
I think that there could be an energy there, whether it's, uh, and without saying too much, some of this will be discovered, you know, but uh, more so that there could be something there in the house, an energy, a person, uh, a personality that has realized over time things that they can and can't do to communicate. So not necessarily the house itself is learning over time, but perhaps what is in it has said, okay, I've been trying for X amount of time. We don't know if they have any, you know, relationship in terms of what time and space is that they may have no idea. So, but we're just making this up, but say, you know, uh, you know, I, I've been trying for X amount of time to, you know, say my name as loud as I can. Nobody can hear it, but uh, somehow they're able to see me, you know, kick this thing down the stairs or, or whatever the case. So I think over time, maybe, because who knows how, you know, I, I sort of believe, and I could be wrong, I'm just one investigator, but I believe that if what I'm seeing disobeys the laws of science, I'm either misinterpreting the experience or it's happening in my head. And I don't mean in my head like I'm zany. I mean in my head like a telephonic or an audiophonic sort of type of visual or sound. That is a scientific type of phenomenon, more so than something paranormal. But there are reasons why people could have experiences and they may not be legitimate paranormal experiences. You know, So those are things I, I was sort of keeping in mind and, and considering. As far as your you, the, the production itself, did you... Did did you leave after after you wrapped the first installment of this or did the investigation continue while you're away? I mean, have you just continued this investigation over time and now you have another chapter to this? When we left the first time, you know, we we we, we took you know, the house continued to be investigated after the first documentary. Um, but, you know, for the sake of storytelling, obviously we uh, kept that un under wraps a, a little bit. It's not like everybody was saying, I've been investigating this house, all you, you know, this and that. Uh, but it was still happening, you know, because it wasn't solved yet. Whether or not we were going to make another documentary was unknown um, because, you know, the first one wouldn't be released for a year later. So we would have no idea if we were going to have any success with it to be able to you know afford to make a second documentary um but the investigation i knew still needed to continue uh and whether or not i was going back or they were going to continue investigation you know we were we were sort of jug juggling both ideas there but the fact that she wasn't comfortable in her house still um you know meant that the investigation needed to continue and, and we were able to uh, get into, you know, the world of science a little bit more. The first time I tried for a long time to get a, a geophysicist or a geologist to work with us. Kendall tried for a long time. Vera tried for a long time. But I, I must have went through uh, over 20 geologists with in Mississippi and around Mississippi. And uh, they all said no. They were afraid they were going to lose their funding or lose their footing in you know uh, the the society the paranormal uh, excuse me the, the scientific society that sort of thing but uh, started talking to a few different people after the first one came out who started saying hey i, I may be a, of, of help here you know I, I may be somebody you could talk to but 
uh, we ended up connecting with some people who uh, were willing to come and, and do real scientific studies there on the property. Uh, so I, I knew that we needed to do that as well, because that could be the first time, at least that I know of, that uh, science has come to a haunting and done not paranormal investigating, obviously, but their own scientific research to see if they could explain some of these things outside of. She went there, you know, the geophysicists uh, that we were able to connect with. I don't want to give too much away, but. You know, she didn't go there to investigate the paranormal by any means. That to her is outside of the realm of possibility. She went there because she knew there was somebody uh, frightened who regardless needed some answers. And if she could provide some answers uh, through, you know, scientific research, she wanted to do that. Uh, so she came to the house and did some intense uh, and deep research for many days. And it was really, really, really cool. Well, I won't spoil too much for anyone uh, that will be watching the film, but yes, you bring out a geophysicist. Just, uh, I won't go into too much of what happens and what occurs. Very interesting. Definitely worth watching. But in those initial conversations with the geophysicist, Caroline, I believe is, is her name, what kind of prep did you have to do with her? Because it's one thing to say, hey, we we want you to come out, do this documentary. And yes, it's about paranormal. But when someone's actually on the ground, what were those conversations like from you as both a director, EP, and a paranormal investigator to her, the scientist? I have to say, um, she was, because talking to her, of course, at first, because I'm a, a regurgitator of things that are scientifically sound. I have no brain power for that sort of thing at all. So when I talk to somebody who really knows, I'm, I'm already intimidated and feel like, you know, a trained circus act. More so, than, so I was already nervous to, to talk to her, but uh, she was so nice and pleasant and open and just uh, cool to talk with. I mean, the first time we talked, we talked for a couple hours on the phone just about, all kinds of, of, of different things. And uh, she was a little frustrated with the scientific community saying, you know, I understand that there's a paranormal side to this. And, and even though I may not be a, a believer in that sort of thing, there's still somebody who wants some answers here. You know, uh, I'm not going there to say X, Y, or Z. I'm going there to say, hey, if it's possible that you can squeeze rocks hard enough that you can produce a visual illumination, uh, maybe that's something that could help Alice feel better in her house. And that's why she was there to offer that sort of research and advice. Um, but I have to say she was, you know, a little bit in the beginning, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I, I'm going, just so you know that uh, I'm going as somebody to do scientific research and help somebody, not going as a believer of the paranormal as a paranormal investigator. She, so she had a little concern in the beginning that we were going to, you know, in the story world, uh, put her out there as a paranormal researcher and she's coming to give her scientific, you know, um, but we had to, and of course, I, I wouldn't call myself a, a documentarian at this point. This is only my, you know, second or third endeavor into such things. But as somebody who wants to tell a truthful story, I had to let her know that would never happen. You know, that's this is how it is, and your real thoughts and feelings it will be portrayed as they are. 
and I told her up front, you know, here's a, a sort of a rule in the cast world of television. If you don't say it, you know, we, we can't use it. So, uh, you know, don't, don't say anything that you don't want anybody to hear you say, and then you have no worries up front, you know, already out of, but also my job is to tell the story accurately and appropriately, which we did. When I, and I'll say again that the, the, the result of having her on the ground is quite intriguing, entertaining, dare I say, and, and impactful to the story. The, the backing up just a little bit, as far as what things were happening at the house since the previous documentary, the first part of the, of the documentary uh, how have what were some of the things that were happening in the house that have kind of changed and in Alice's life because she was undergoing some personal uh, transformations, changes herself, uh, big big life things. Uh, set that up a little bit about how her life and the house itself had changed. That's a, a good question, and I think uh, you know it's it's multifold even a few different things there. Alice, of course, was going, you're referencing, you know, the relationship with her and her daughter and, and sort of how, yeah, very, very sad. It won't go into too much because it is quite a nice story to be told. And, and you know, maybe from Alice through the documentary before my words, you know, where I could mess up her, you know, emotion and intent and that sort of thing. But yeah, Alice did have, uh, you know, her, her, her daughter sadly had passed away. And she was going through, you know, I think an awareness of that to come while she was filming, you know, and, and the, or at least between the first and second documentary. But uh, she's a, a very strong woman, maybe the strongest ever, you know, one of the, she's just amazing. But, um, you know, that to, to her wasn't uh, anything uh, you know, she, she took care of that in her own sort of ways and, and did her mourning and grief and all of that. But all of that aside, in terms of the house, some of the phenomena uh, didn't increase a, a little bit and change. Um, they did see an increase in, there's a, a chandelier there that uh, they are having some interactions with there. And now it, it tends, or it was tending to not just do what it was doing in the first one, which is turning it off, on and off, and that sort of thing. But actually moving and, and swinging, and at one point going completely, almost, uh, you know, horizontally, uh, which is quite a fascinating phenomena. Uh, and uh, they had been for years, I think, ten years, asking for an interaction with a certain item in the house, and it finally started to happen. Uh, and some direct sort of responses through this item, uh, which is quite fascinating. But some things did happen there, did r ramp up, and, and some other things sort of stopped. But uh, they were also seeing more things in the backyard, which was interesting. Like, And not just out of the corner of your eyes, your peripheral vision, but really some head-on stuff. Like, whoa, did I just see that? Holy cow. You know, so they were still having some experiences, but... Until, until, you know, the, the paranormal stuff, quite honestly, doesn't scare Alice. Uh, she doesn't, she'd rather probably not be in her house, quite honestly, but 
what really scares her to the point where uh, she won't stay in there uh, were those lights, you know, that light phenomenon was really the last straw for her to say, whoa, I don't know what that is. And, and this is kind of terrifying. Uh, so I, I'm out of here, you know, and she doesn't know if that's ghostly phenomena, if that's otherworldly, if that's earthly phenomena, you know, so uh, we had to take all of that in, into consideration between year one and, and year two, of course, or excuse me, between the first one and second one. There were quite a few years between there. And let me take a brief break, Steve, and I'll be right back with you. Yeah. Hey, spooky nerds. I'll be headed to Rooster Teeth's RTX Austin this July 1st through 3rd, and I'd love to meet our Talking Strange listeners and viewers there. RTX Austin is the world's greatest podcasting, gaming, and animation convention that brings incredible entertainment and the best community on the planet together for a wild weekend of fun and surprises. Experience the best in podcasting, gaming, and animation, and see... Hey, your favorite podcast personalities over three days of panels, live shows, special events, meet and greets, and more. We'll be doing a special live recording of this show, Talking Strange. So don't ghost me. Instead, show up in corporeal form. How do you do that? Go to rtxevent.com. Use promo code DENOFGEEK to purchase your admission badge at a discount or go to bit.ly slash denofgeekrtx. All right. Strangers, we will see you in Austin. We are back. Steve, I'm curious about how you approach this investigation. Obviously, you know, first off, you really it's the the amount of time that you have spent with Ghost Hunters, which did radically transform paranormal pop culture and the entertainment landscape, the TV landscape, and as well as really bringing this interest of the paranormal into the mainstream, and and I would say in in an acceptable way. But when you approached this project, how was it different compared to approaching a Ghost Hunters investigation? Because these are two very different beasts. It's a great question. Uh, you know, ghost hunters uh, in the early days, you know, it was very much a, a you were seeing a, a preliminary investigation, you know, where you go in, you do an investigation for a couple of days and then uh, you're off. And, and even though we sort of wrapped it up in terms of television world, we always handed the case over to a local team or we continued aftercare. Um, but you're seeing it because the average case, as you know, uh, or, or maybe, but I'm pretty sure you're very familiar with, with this world, but the average case will go from, you know, four months to, to two years. It's not always something you can do in the television uh, amount of time, but going into uh, Ghost Nation, uh, we were able to really take control of that and say, listen, we need to be in these places for more than a night and really dig in and, and do a deep investigation. And then with Ghost Hunters now, uh, it, it's even better where, you know, we're able to really say we need as much time as uh, we, you know, uh, as we need. We really do. You need to give us as much time as we need. And they do, luckily. So we're able to spend a, a, a robust amount of time. But when I knew that I was able to do a documentary format without a lot of those restrictions of having to stay within 
the television world, you know, hitting certain tent poles of information. You'll see all the shows have their opening and, and their, you know, in the paranormal world, they'll have their investigation, their reveal, their, you know, analysis. They'll have all of, all of these things. And, you know, in the documentary world, you don't have to stay confined to, to any of that. You tell the story how long you want and however long of a, of a time span that you want. So uh, knowing that that was possible uh, was sort of like, okay, so what have I always wanted to do during an investigation to get some real answers that I haven't been able to do up to this point? Uh, like get physicists involved. You know, of course, we were always able to. Uh, Jason, of course, knows. We all know a lot of people in every single world where we can get access to them. But uh, television didn't always want to showcase that that side of it you know and i don't blame them it could be a little stale a little heady if you will you know for the average viewer but i know in the documentary world you could really expand on that uh, and so that was awesome to be able to sit down and really make a laundry list of okay well then we need to get down to this that and a b c d to really figure out what is going on here maybe it is a ghost sure uh, but let's really figure it out but i also know in the documentary world uh, you're not just going for uh, the audience of paranormal enthusiasts uh, it's a much broader you know you'll get story uh, excuse me you'll get viewers and an audience who just like mystery and intrigue and, and history or uh, even just a, a scare at the expense of the paranormal you know but they could be fans of other genres um, you know you get a, a, a bigger audience there so I, I also knew that you could focus a little more on Alice's story and her as a person and the stigma around people who are dealing with a haunting uh, a little deeper than just here are the scary things that happened in this house and here's how we think it happened and here's how we're going to help this woman. Uh, we were able, at least I knew I would be able to really tell a, a story there uh, about uh, you know humility and, and how people are dealing with a haunting and what goes through their heads and because it is difficult to you know quite honestly maintain relationships and uh to to maintain a, a, a alice has luckily you know she's but in the real world of the average haunting uh it's very hard to maintain things in your life that you love like sleep and in a job and and relationships and friendships um and I wanted to show that side of things as, as well. So that's sort of where the change is. Well, I also want to know, like, you, and you touched on this, when you're working on a network show, even as a producer on a network show, you still have to follow, you have restrictions, you have to answer to various other executives and the network and whatnot, and they ha all have their own mission. But when you're doing your own documentary, you have that freedom. But that can also be quite daunting in of itself. Tell me about a time that when you were working on this, and and also I want to call out Kendall and Vera Welpton, who worked, who executive produced this as well and shared directing duties. Kendall did. But as far as the daunting task, tell me about a time when you were working on the house in between two where you thought, man, this is a lot. And I almost, almost wish for the, the structure of the network, or this is 
a a heavy this is a two-hander and it's it's pretty much on me and just a couple other people tell me about that time uh you know i think between kendall and i we were you know in, in a, a a place of wow we have the opportunity to make a full documentary a movie here so we tried not to let too many things be daunting, but to look at it like, wow, we get to do this. Like we're doing hours of research and doing and hiring all these people to make sure everything is on, you know, because in the documentary world, you, if you put out something that's not factual, you know, you're going to get sued. You're going to get in trouble. You're going to, you know, you have to have all of these different angles covered, all of these different things. And there's legalities and all, you know, but um, all of that aside, we looked at everything like, wow, I can't believe we're doing this for our first sort of, you know, uh, and that was, was cool. But there were some things, uh, I think, you know, working with, and I'll be honest here, uh, working with Discovery, you know, uh, Plus and, and Travel Channel and, and all, of they're uh, very collaborative in, in the sense of they are, want us to be comfortable as investigators and people on camera. So they're very open to you know, how we are comfortable in, in doing things. And that's awesome. That's really, really cool. Cause you could be in a television situation where like, no, this is how it is. End of story. Um, so uh, we're fortunate there. Uh, but when it came to like, you know, making, I think decisions like uh, with all the different storylines and elements that you have to put together because you want it to be successful so that you know the the distributor who agreed to put it out has a success and you're not you know you know you don't want to do anybody uh, wrong there but um you have to decide what are the best sort of story elements to put in there that sort of thing and even figuring out things like you know we bring in other investigators at, at times you know and i had to sort of think and like goodness gracious well I have Jason and Tango, you know, the two best investigators I know in the world. Of course I want to investigate this place with them, but then you deal with all the sort of things that could come of that, you know, well, we're under pretty strict, you know, uh, contracts in terms of what we do on camera. And, and luckily I was carved out for this, you know, beforehand and, you know, uh, things like, will it just seem like a longer version of, uh, you know, episode of, of ghost hunters, if it's us wandering around investigating, you know, there are a lot of things you had to consider. And, and quite honestly, you know, they, they take a little bit of coercing to leave their, their homes on their, you know, off time. There are a lot of things that sort of like, you know, what, um, and also it could come off like, you know, these are people that he loves and trusts and that love and trust him of course it's going to be haunted. Of course this is, you know, they want it to be for their friend or, or whatever. And, you know, I want it to, to be as unbiased as, as it possibly can be. So a lot of those things were going through, uh, those sort of decisions were just weird and, and strange to have to make, you know, when you're dealing with, uh, you know, we had the, the mayor, uh, we interviewed the mayor of the town for the first documentary and took a half a day and he was super nice and awesome. But then, you know, refused uh, to sign his, uh, you know, we, we tried, of course, to get him to sign it beforehand or whatever, but he's like, oh, of course, we we're in a time. We're like, all right, let's just sign after, sure. Uh, and he wouldn't do it, sort of, uh, you know, but at one point he just kept saying, because we, you know, talked to him, just have your people call my people, they'll figure it out. 
And I'm like, that's me. I am the people. Like, there's nobody. It's me and Kendall. You have the two. We're standing right in front of you. There's no one. Like, and you have Vera on the phone. Like, it's us three. There's no one else. Sure, just yep. Have your people call me. We'll we'll figure it all out. You have us. We're all here right now. You know. So those sort of things were, you know, when you wish that there may have been a larger force uh, dealing with those sort of problems. But yeah. Other than that, uh, the difference. I found to be quite, uh, quite fun. Yeah. Well, you, you speaking of other investigators, you do bring together, there's, there's a number of investigators in this and a number of people that are involved in the larger investigation, but I want to call out Dustin Perry and Elizabeth Saint, because you do bring them together Two investigators that many of us know, we know personally, um, but these two had not worked together before and you've not worked with Elizabeth before. Just briefly tell me about how that was kind of interesting and exciting to see these two new fresh elements come together on your investigation. And overall, if you can tease sort of what that result was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's a good question. And, you know, I I didn't know if either one of them would want to do it or even want to, you know, and, and to be honest, Elizabeth, uh, was a little hesitant when I approached her with it. She's like, you know, I'm kind of a little bit, uh, you know, it's going to take a lot for me to want to get out there and investigate with this. You know, she wanted to really know the backstory of Alice and what's really happening. What I thought, you know, she really, uh, you know, and Dustin as well was very like, okay, but you know, I'm not just going to go in. There has to be a reason like that. And they were really invested in it. And uh, you know, what, Alice had always kept the house open to other investigators and cause she just wants answers and wherever that can come, of course, people that she trusts and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, that's continuing. And, and while I was involved, it's like, okay, if you're going to continue to have it, you know, I want to have some influence over who they are while we're, we're shooting there. And, and I had to be, you know, people I, I knew and, and trusted, but also, um, you know, people who, who wanted to work on, on the project and actually wanted to work on the project. I love that, you know, we found investigators, Elizabeth and Dustin, who have enough integrity, who, who were, you know, like, uh, yes, I'll investigate this because I know you and trust you, but I have to want to investigate it. Let's hear about this place. Not just like, oh, uh, you know, cool, a television job to make, you know, to documentary and be, you know, they really wanted to know about the case. And, and that was uh, super duper cool. Uh, they, you know, we didn't know if they would work together when we, you know, approached them. It was sort of like, hey, um, you know, we are thinking about having, you know, we we thought of a lot, a few different people. Quite honestly, uh, Kendall Bear had some ideas. I had some ideas, and um, you know, I, I thought of Elizabeth because she. Uh, gears equipment for specialties you know she'll make specialty equipment for different things dustin i know trust his investigation method and style how he is as a person uh and uh but we didn't know if they would work together or have separate time in the house and when i brought it up to each one of them uh, they were both like yeah of course that would be great elizabeth's like i'd love to work with dustin he's the coolest of course and dustin the same he's like elizabeth saint of course it would be great and I, I just by knowing them, I knew that they would have a, a comfortable relationship together. Um, but even once they got there, we allowed them to have 
you know, if they wanted time alone to investigate or together, uh, but they had a blast investigating together. So we just sort of let them do it because I didn't want to get involved and direct the investigation because I don't like when someone directs my investigation. It's never happened. We don't let them do it, you know? So I, I wouldn't be like, hey, you know, it's important that they do what they wanted to do as investigators while they were there. So, um, you know, of course, we I had some guidance where it's like, you know, if you start doing things like, uh, you know, who knows, something I've never heard of, it may not make it into the documentary. So maybe save your sort of time there. But everything they did, uh, we were we were fine with and loved. Well, and the result was was really interesting. And it's just nice to see two two new people, not new, but two people come together as a new team on investigation. That was just really interesting to watch. As we wind down on our time here, just a couple quick things. Actually, you know, something we we are living in a time where we are having these congressional UFO panels and we are having these serious conversations about extraterrestrial life and you mention yourself that the scientific community is not necessarily paying attention seriously to the paranormal or ghosty community so steve what would that take to get something on the level of a congressional ufo panel except applied to ghosts or the afterlife or whatever term we want to use uh, that's a great question. It, you, and I've asked many, you know, physicists and, and people in that world of, of, you know, real and deep science. And uh, what they've all told me is, you know, th there is a, a large group of scientific researchers and scientists, physicists, all those, we'll just say scientists encompassed in one, who just don't believe in, you know, the paranormal at all or the afterlife which is fine because you don't have to believe in the afterlife to believe that things are happening here in the physical world that you can see. So once they get past that, maybe it's not connected to the afterlife or necessarily ghosts that it, they start to perk up a, a little bit. But uh, what they've all told me is that uh, there's no way to measure what could be happening. There's no way to replicate. You have no repeatability uh, and there's uh, no way uh, for them to recreate what is happening and all of those things uh, you know need to come in line for science to be comfortable enough to really look at something what are they measuring what are they doing they have no uh, way it's all about measurements balances all of that and uh, science just isn't into that it, you know they are starting to look into things like uh, you know dr chill and died said to me that you know at first a lot of people didn't think wind existed they couldn't prove it but scientists finally just said well look we can see its result what are you talking about the trees are bending sideways something is doing it just because we can't see it doesn't mean that it's not happening so we need to you know and he's starting to say that maybe there is a way where science can start to evaluate the result not necessarily the what causes the action but the you know result of the action so that's kind of interesting maybe a bit of a backdoor way uh, to get science into our world a little bit but you know until i think there is repeatability a, a way to measure what they're experiencing or seeing and a possible way to recreate it uh, they're just not going to take any of it more seriously than i think what we see right now well 
this next part is definitely not serious because I want to do something silly with you if you are on board with us. Yeah, I like silly. Of course. All right, here I, I'm going <laughs> to unveil. Discover, debunk, destroy the game where you are given three options and you have to decide which of these things you wish to discover, wish to debunk, or destroy, eliminate entirely. So, yeah. So we're going to go in with, let's say, zombies, vampires, or revenants. Which would you discover, debunk, or destroy? Oh, goodness. Uh, I would say, what are the three options again? Zombies, vampires, and revenants. Various undead phenomena. Sure. I would say I would like to destroy vampires um, if they're real, because I feel like they would probably be the most dangerous. Zombies, I think we could figure out. So maybe debunk them. And what was the other one? Revenants. Oh, no, what was the other word? Oh, debunk? discover, debunk, destroy. Oh, and maybe discover um, revenants. Yeah. Okay. That sounds pretty fun. Okay. Like zombies, <laughs> I think if they really existed, we'd be able to figure it out. So I don't need to discover them. Let's, let's right. Uh, Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, or the Tooth Fairy? Which would you discover, debunk, or destroy? Let's destroy the Tooth Fairy. Let's discover Santa Claus and debunk the Easter Bunny. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Bigfoot, Nessie, or the Jersey Devil? Oh, God. Um, destroy Jersey Devil, uh, debunk Nessie, and discover Bigfoot. Okay, last one here for you. Gray aliens reptilian aliens or nordic aliens discover debunk destroy destroy the nordic uh discover the gray because i think that would offer a lot of affirmation for people all those people that think they're seeing that thing they'd be like maybe i was on to something who knows um and uh, destroy the the others there get rid of them okay or, all right uh, disprove yeah yeah debunk. you did good Debunk, disprove, you you know, it's still the D word. You, you, you did well on that. I, I appreciate it. I will I'll let you off the hook on those, but you did famously. That was, that was a great job. What's uh is, is, is this a conclusion or is there a house in between three? Well, well I think uh, a house in between three would depend on Alice and how comfortable she continues in the home and, and how deep the investigation may or may not need to go from here. Uh, I will say that if you, uh, you know, watch part one, you know, that there was a, a lot of, you know, still some misbehavior in terms of the house's part towards the end of, of the documentary there. And uh, so during the end of the second one, uh, excuse me, during the end of the second one, you know, if she thinks our work isn't quite done, we, we may have to move on to a third, but you'll be surprised to see 
you know, what happens at the end of the second one. There is hope that maybe, you know, she doesn't need another investigation. Uh, so if they need more investigation, there, there will be a, a part three maybe. If not, it might be done here. A lot happening throughout the movie and a lot happening at the end of the movie. And uh, Steve, for you, uh, any what anything else in, in terms of executive producing or directing other projects you have lined up? Obviously, we'll be seeing you on more Ghost Hunters, and we're very excited yeah. about that on Travel Channel and uh, Discovery Plus. But what else for you? Thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, more Ghost Hunters right now still every Saturday on Travel Channel than uh, in October. Uh, with Ghost Turbo, there'll be more episodes, Ghost Hunters on uh, Discovery Plus. And uh, I'd say uh, tune in to all of Ghost Hunters. We have, of course, House in Between 2 coming out. Uh, working on a book, uh, wrapping that up as we speak. It's in its final stages. And uh, other than that, Ghost Hunters is, is what we're focused on and, and what we're uh, really trying to uh, make the best that we can uh, because we really have people out there to help and, and that look forward to when we come and offer our assistance and we want to keep focusing on that as, as long as we can. All right. Well, the movie is The House in Between Two, executive produced and directed by this gentleman, Steve Gonsalves, who you also know from Ghost Hunters and Ghost Nations. And The House in Between Two is currently available is streaming now on amazon prime video vimeo itunes youtube voodoo and you can still get part one if you want to and you should catch up and for everyone out there thank you for joining don't forget to subscribe and download each week on apple podcasts and spotify wherever you listen to podcasts and fill your ear holes with great sounds check out Talking Strange videos as well at youtube.com slash us, and love to hear from you at Aaron Sagers on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, and at Talk Strange Pod on Twitter. Until next time, be kind, stay spooky, and keep it weird.